Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Thursday afternoon on the show today. We'll talk a little bit more college basketball, NBA basketball. All three Texas teams did play last night. Nary a win between them. Uh, we'll talk a little trade deadline as well. A couple more, another coaching move in the NBA happening. Of course, a lot of coaching moves in the NFL, including breaking news right before we went on air. Uh, we'll bring that up in just a minute. Uh, Texas has hired their D-line coach or is expected to hire their D-line coach uh, in the coming hours or days. Uh, we'll get into all of that and the coaching jobs still available. One less as of a few minutes ago. We'll get into all of that and, of course, your text messages. 512-447-3776. 512 447-3776 is the text line number. That is where you guys can bring up whatever you want to talk about. If you want to have a discussion about something, if you have a question about something, if you have a take on something in the world of sports, send it on that text line, and uh, we will read it off. We try to get to everybody's text every day, and uh, once we read your text, and we'll talk about it, and we'll go in, and other people can chime in, and we'll have a little conversation because you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. That's what we do here on the sports complex right before we went on air uh it was tweeted out or xed out or whatever you want to call it uh that uh in the news started to break that the falcons have uh centered in on who they will be hiring as their next head football coach and it's not bill belichick all signs were reported to uh, were pointing to bill belichick but raheem morris the defensive coordinator uh, from the Rams is the one who ends up with the job, has a good relationship with the Falcons, uh, was with the Falcons uh, starting in 2015. Uh, he then ends up going on to be with them until 2020. He's a defensive coordinator there in 2020 and then is the interim head coach but does not get the job. Arthur Smith gets a job. I guess they figure they hired the wrong guy then. He then goes to the Rams where he's the defensive coordinator and people love him there again. And after everything is said and done, the Falcons, after interviewing, I believe, 15 different candidates is who they interviewed. Uh, they had seven back for second interviews. They were going after everybody. They were the ones who did intense uh, interviews and in, in going through everything possible with Bill Belichick before deciding on Raheem Morris as the next coach of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, a very liked guy in NFL circles. Uh, great defensive mind. It now starts to wonder who will they hire as their offensive coordinator. 
you know, for Texas fans wondering what will happen with Bijan and for NFL fans just wondering with all that young talent on the offensive side of the ball, who are they going to go with? Who do they want to get uh, in the draft? Who will they get? Are they going to be able to get their quarterback in the draft? Those are the questions Falcons fans are going to be asking now. Uh, we'll get more into NFL in the 5 o'clock hour. However, uh, that just broke, so we wanted to break that for you here. If you did not hear the news, Raheem Morris hired as the Falcons head coach. We'll get into the other uh, NFL hirings and firings and, and, and interviews and all that when we get uh, closer to the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, for Texas football, uh, the news broke today that Texas is expected to hire their defensive line coach from the NFL. That was a thought from the beginning, but it was a co- it was for a team that uh, was not necessarily the team everybody thought. Uh, a lot of people had Rod Wright as the, the person that, was most likely to be picked up for the defensive line coach of Texas. Very liked guy, uh, former Texas player. And, uh, he is the assistant defensive line coach for the Texans. However, it feels like they had their, their finger on the pulse and they may have been going after him. Uh, however, it ends up with him probably staying with the Texans at this point, And they let their uh, head defensive line coach walk away. His contract was up. It looks like they're going to try and keep Rod Wright. Uh, and the Texans are going to be signing Kenny Baker. He is the assistant D-line coach for the Dolphins. Uh, people believe he is a very good coach, uh, that he is really good at building young talent, which is what you want in the uh, in college football. And they also say he has a ton of energy, which you're going to need in today's college football with recruiting, with uh, you know transfer portal and everything. You have to keep going out and being on the phone that he is a go-getter uh, that has a lot of people talking very highly about him. Uh, but he is now expected to take the role as a defensive line coach for the Texas Longhorns. Kenny Baker, the assistant D-line coach from the Dolphins, will be coming to Texas, and that fills out your coaching staff uh, a bit more, so now you have a little bit better of idea. They can start go after those guys. Uh, with the Harbaugh news coming out at the end of our show yesterday, it does put into, okay, are you going to be able to talk to some of these guys at Michigan and you know, that spring transfer portal now becomes a much bigger deal for Texas to possibly bring in some D-line help for this season uh, when you have your guy, Kenny Baker, there to start recruiting them and start talking to them. Uh, but those will be the questions to be asked uh, once we get to the next transfer portal period or if you go to Michigan and, and you know, you find somebody there that decides to get in the portal now uh, with the Harbaugh news. We'll get more into that in the 5 o'clock hour. But that is... Uh, your your most important news of the day for Texas fans, uh, and of course the Raheem Morris news uh, with the Falcons. Uh, as for some Big Twelve basketball, there was one game last night in the Big Twelve. The two teams that had not played this week, K State was at Iowa State. Iowa State is able to handle their business, seventy eight to sixty seven. It was a it was not the prettiest game you ever want to see. Uh, Iowa State ends up shooting thirty nine free throws in the game. Uh, you know, there was 20-plus for K-State, too. So any game where you're shooting close to 60 field goals, 70 field goals, uh, it, it just becomes, you know, a bit of a slog. A bit of a slog. So uh, that was the game. was not a great, fun game to watch. Uh, but in the end, Iowa State ends up shooting more free throws. Neither team shoots free throws particularly well in the game. Uh, but they shoot more of them. That helps get them a lead. They also out-rebound uh, K-State pretty well, 38-25 to in rebounds. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert. Uh, leading the way for for Iowa State with 15 points and 13 rebounds. 
But again, Iowa State showing that they're able to pull away in some of these games, play with toughness, go inside and get those fouls. It's kind, you know, it's a scrappy team that you have to have when you might not have the talent level that some other places have and the freak athletes that some other teams may have. You have to be a little bit scrappier. Iowa State's been doing that defensively and offensively. K-State in that rebuilding period, they were able to hit the portal well last year uh, and get a couple guys in there like Marquise Noel, who, you know, we saw what he could do even though he was a diminutive, diminutive, I can't say the word, even though he was small. We'll make it easy on me. Even though he was a shorter guy, uh, he uh, he uh, he was able to put up some big points last year. Uh, they they been they lost a few guys to the uh, NBA, which means that K State is trying to rebuild in that period. Jerome Tang, of course, they didn't have a great moment at the end of the game where he uh, was getting into with the Iowa State head coach. It those tensions are going to boil over when another team shoots thirty nine free throws. You're going to tend to get a little upset in those games. You know, I, again, it's a Rodney Terry thing. As much as it is, you know, you it's a bad look and it shouldn't be done. You kind of have to take it on the chin and, and move on at a certain point with those. Uh, in NBA action last night, we did see all three Texas teams get into action and all three Texas teams lose. We'll start off the Trailblazers lose 130, or the Trailblazers beat the Rockets 137 to 131. Jabari Smith Jr. still out with an ankle injury. Could have been a big piece. That game goes to overtime. Jalen Green does step up with some points in this game. He hadn't been scoring very well, hadn't been doing much. They goes up, puts up 29 points against a, uh, a Portland team that wasn't playing really good defense. However, he allows some other things. He does not have a great rest of his line. Uh, I believe he has a couple of assists and no rebounds. Anthony Simons goes in, who his his assignment, 33 points, six rebounds, five assists. Uh, you know, so Jalen Green still in that place that as a trade deadline looms. Uh, the Rockets may be looking around for him, and I've seen a few rumors of people looking uh, for other teams calling up and saying maybe if we put him in a different system, and maybe if we get him a change of scenery, Jalen Green may have some more hope. But right now, just not being able to play at an NBA level is Jalen Green. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. has been playing pretty well. He's been adapting well enough. But Jalen Green just hasn't been able to adapt to the world of Ime Odoka's system and really focusing on defense to allow you to bring you offense. He hasn't been able to do that yet. So we see in this game, he, he puts up 29 points. But he allows 33 on the other end. I know you're switching at everything. It's not a one-for-one comparison. Uh, but just doesn't play the defense he needs to play, especially in the Ime Odoka offense. You're going to have – or defense. You're going to have to do those kind of things. Uh, the Suns beat the Mavericks 132-109. to uh, Kyrie Irving uh, was out with his thumb injury. He sprained his thumb, uh, which I, I did recently. It can be quite painful. Uh, but I, you know, he could play through it. If you kind of wrap it up, you can play through it. I think they're trying to get him healthy, though. They understand that playing a guy who's hurt in a game where you know these this is going to linger. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to do. Doncic comes out, goes thirty five, goes for thirty four, eight and nine, but he shoots eleven for twenty four. Just not consistent enough, and just a bulk shooter. And when Lon- when Luka Doncic becomes just a bulk shooter. Uh, where he's doing, trying to do everything on the team. It doesn't do the Mavs any favors. You need a Kyrie Irving there to kind of help him out a little bit and take away some of that load. That wasn't there for him last night. Uh, Devin Booker goes for 46-7-3. He shoots 17-23. That's more of what you want to see from a Luka Doncic. Uh, However, they're just two different guys, and Booker has a lot more help with Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant on the court. 
Uh, but the reality was, again, the points in the paint are just killers for the Mavericks. 58 points in the paint for the Suns. That is not normally their bread and butter, but they went to attack a, uh, a Mavs team that just doesn't have the interior presence that they want to have. They want to be built on defense. Lively's playing okay, but he's not been the rim protector that they were hoping he was going to be. So the Mavs are going to have to start trying to figure some things out. There's also some ugliness in the game. Uh, it's a chippy game because the Suns and Mavs are a rivalry t- a game now. Those guys are going at each other every single game. And then you throw in the fact that Doncic starts to Doncic gets mad at a fan. There was a Suns fan in the crowd, and he starts to get mad at him. And so they have a shouting match, and they're going back and forth, and and he keeps getting yelled at, and so he gets him thrown out, which then later reports that he did not get him thrown out, that he the fan left on his own. So, But it's just not a great look for a team that Jason Kidd said his team was distracted again. And it seems like early on the Mavs were kind of in the head of the Suns and Devin Booker, but now with this new lineup of Durant and Bradley Beal, they flipped the script. Kevin Durant, who is you know sometimes thought of as not the guy who's going to mentally get past things, does not seem to be caring about this feud too much. He just goes out there and balls, and Devin Booker used it as fuel as the Suns beat the Mavericks last night. And finally, we got the Spurs versus the Thunder. Thunder had no problem in this game, 140-114. to Trey Jones was out. Uh, for the Spurs and the point guard. I want to talk a little bit about the point guard position too uh, as we get to it in the NBA, and, and it goes into the trade deadline as well. Uh, but Wimby goes off. For, this this really was a matchup of Wimby versus Chet. Wimby goes off for 24-12-4. Chet 17-9-4. Uh, but Wimby and Chet, it was fun in that fourth quarter. It, wasn't, it was kind of garbage time, but Wimby versus Chet is going to be fun to watch for years to come, but there's too much talent on that Thunder team. They're just more built up. They're a few years ahead of the Spurs right now. So uh, as much as Wimby played a good game, he's getting stronger in the paint. He's making bigger moves. And I know he's going up against a Chet there, which is also not a big power guy. But he's getting better at creating space and using himself down below. He's got to improve that jump shot. We all know that for Wimby. But that's something that can be improved throughout time. That'll continue to get better, that jump shot and the confidence of the jump shot. But right now he's still putting up, you know, 20-point games playing under 30 minutes a game and just getting inside and dunking the ball and getting around the rim, which is what you want to see from a big 7-3 or 7-4 or 7-5 or however big he actually is. You want to see that. But we did get a seat. This was a lineup that the Spurs had switched their lineup, put Trey Jones into the starting lineup. They had gone as one of the many teams in the NBA who's trying to get in this, and college basketball has looked at this too, of the no-point guard experiment. And the thought of if we can put in more size, it will help us defensively. Uh, that we're able to get some bigger guys on the court that we'll be able to, if we can sp- still spread the f- the court, we'll still be able to get in and move the ball around well enough. And we're just going to get into our offense and we're just going to run plays anyway. And we can run those bigs. The Spurs try it with Jeremy Sohan. We've seen the Lakers try it. Uh, with LeBron James when they didn't want to put D'Angelo Russell in the lineup. And you you keep trying to do this, and a lot of teams have tried to do this. A lot of teams have tried to run the no-point guard system, and it, it was a new thought that I don't know where it started. I don't know which coach started it and where it began to be a thing where everybody thought it was a doable, uh, believable practice. But we've seen it kind of fall flat on its face this season uh, where people have wanted to go in a league that is very offensive-based now that they wanted to try and bring more height to help you know, rim protect and to help rebound and do a lot of the other pieces. But you watch and you see some of these guys that are 6'2", 
six three, maybe even six one, six six foot, and they're getting good rebounds. They're being able to go in there with the energy, and it just ends up being a bigger point back to the time of you know when you can say, well, we may not need the point guard because we can have this advantage on the other end. And you just discredit all the things that a good point guard can do for you. And a point guard who's played the position his entire life. Now, you like to have guys like Dylan Mitchell for Texas be able to bring the ball up. Get a rebound, bring the ball up. That's one thing. I'm all for that. I think there is a in-between ground uh, for this the new era of big guys being able to handle the ball. But handling the ball is not all it is to be a point guard. And that's why we can see six foot, six foot one guys that aren't point guards, they're shooting guards because they don't have the ability, which is a point guard's role, which is the hardest role a point guard can do. And the really great ones like Steve Nash and John Stockton and those guys could do this really well. Tony Parker could do it, which is give the ball up and keep moving until you get the ball back. Steph Curry's really good at it, of bringing the ball up and igniting the offense, starting the line, starting the offense and still trusting he'll get the ball back because he's thinking chess and not checkers. He's thinking three or four moves ahead. And to have those field generals on the court for you is so important when you're playing at a high level and you're trying to find shots. And we've seen when you put a small forward or a power forward or whatever you're going to put, they're at the point guard position and try and roll them out, especially in the NBA this season. Those offenses have just stalled out because basically everyone brings the ball up passes the ball off to whoever else, and now they expect them to be a point guard and decide what to do. And even to run a play, the other guy kind of rolls off, and he's done with the play. And he doesn't want to be doing that because he wants to. So either he drives in himself and no one touches it, or they pass it off and they made it, and then they stand in the corner and call for it again. The, the mind of a point guard to keep moving around and be that little spark plug and have guys on the court. I know it sucks to have a guy who's undersized on the court, but you can see undersized guys a lot of the time have had to make it despite their size. And when you can say having people that had to make it despite their size on your roster can be a huge advantage because they've learned had to learn every little trick and trade to get where they need to be on the court and to know right where to be to get a rebound and know how to get back, how to get stay in front of guys, work on their footwork, all of those little pieces. The no point guard experiment in the NBA I think has come up short this season. We're starting to see it, and we could see a new push for more and more point guards. We see it with Texas now. They're trying to get Max Aismith to be more of a point guard and run a two-point guard system. Max Aismith still kind of in that range of a point guard shooting guard, but I'd like to see him fall into more of that range of understanding because as the next level, he's going to have to be a point guard and learn how to use his learn how to play as an undersized player, learn how to get the ball off but then set a screen, then run across, then run across for a screen set for you to control players, tell them where they need to be, to keep moving players, to move into spots where players are to get them to move because sometimes, you know, a power forward, maybe especially a stretch power forward, will sit out on that three-point range and just stand there. And they're guarded. There's no passing lane to them, but they're doing what they were told to do. And a a good point guard will sometimes run right over by them and tell them, move. And and it just makes your offense flow better because the more people that are standing still in an offense, the worse that offense is going to be at most points unless you have the ball passed down in the post and you're trying to work with it or you're running an ISO. But ISO is not a great offense anyway unless you have a star player. So I think that no point guard experiment is fading out. Uh, We should also uh, note that the Wizards have replaced Wes Unseld uh, as their uh, new coach with Brian Keefe. 
Uh, they start off seven and thirty-six. Uh, it feels like they didn't realize you could do make a move in season, and then the Bucks did it, and they were like, "Oh crap, we wanted to do that." They did not fire Unsel; uh, they just moved him up in the organization. Uh, maybe the stress has gotten to him of uh, trying to coach Jordan Poole and uh, Kyle Kuzma. We'll see what trades they make. I would assume they're going to. There are talks that Kyle Kuzma is very much on the block. If they can get rid of him, uh, it might make this team a little bit more attractive to another coach starting next season. Uh, but thoughts are right now that Brian Keefe will finish out the season uh, for the Washington Wizards. All right, let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day and take a quick break. We're going to play this interview from Jerry Hamilton uh, on the morning show this morning on Hook Him Up with Ian Robbie. Really good stuff from him. So let's hit the Big Fat Poll of the Day. If I can turn on the sounder. Give me a second here. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. There's that sounder, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Big fat poll of the day today, since we're talking about the importance of point guards in the NBA, who's your favorite point guard of all time? Could be college, could be pro, doesn't have to be the best, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite point guard of all time? Send that in on the text line, 512 447 Four four seven three seven seven six. We will get on with that. If you have any other uh, NBA talk you want to put in there, uh, please send that in as well. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play that interview with Jerry Hamilton from Inside Texas on three. All the good stuff, talking recruiting, talking Texas football. We come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Back on Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Thursday afternoon, enjoying that the sun is finally back out here in Austin. I was walking my dog this morning, and it was it started uh, it started uh, pretty pretty muggy still, and then we started the sun started to come out when I was getting back home, and I was like, I may just go sit in the backyard now, but everything was wet, so I did not sit in the backyard. But I'm enjoying that the sun is back out playing. Uh, blood songs all week long because it is blood donor appreciation month january is and if you have not been out to donate blood recently a great cause you can go do to donate blood text on 512-447-3776 poll of the day who is your favorite point guard of all time send that one in doesn't have to be the best favorite point guard of all time send that in on the text line 512-447-3776 i want to give uh play some sound right now jerry hamilton uh one of the best Minds on uh, Texas football and recruiting and everything that goes on with that. Uh, 
called in to hook him up this morning. Want to play that interview, give you some more really good insight on this Texas team that did hire their defensive line coach, Kenny Baker. All reports are that this is a elite-level talent developer. So we'll see if he can bring that to Texas and develop some more talent. That would be a big a big coup for Texas if they could develop some more talent. Also has ties to Georgia. Not a bad uh, state to have ties to when you're trying to get some big guys there on the defensive line. But uh, let's play some sound from Jerry Hamilton on a hook em up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, RB, let's go straight to the Vaqueros hotline. Let's do it. And talk to our man, Jerry Hamilton. Yes, he is the senior recruiting analyst at On3 Sports, the best in the business, and he joins us. What's going on? Good morning, Jerry. How are you? What's up, Jerry? Hey, good morning. Hey, I have to respond to a couple of things from the uh, Cantina hotline. One, I'm glad I'm not a uh, Texas women's basketball player today. I, I'll say that. <laughs> practice is, practice is going to have brooms. Well, I mean, whatever. It's, everything's coming out today, man. And two, I was at that Rockets game last night. Anthony Simons may be the best player that nobody really talks about. I mean, that guy, the guard for Portland is really, really good. He, he, he didn't go to – he signed with – he was going to go to play for Rick Pitino coming out in high school. Then all the stuff went down at Louisville. So he never went to college. Uh, and then he ended up in the NBA draft. But uh, he, he is really, really good. And I'll throw one more thing before we get to the things that Texas fans want to talk about. Scoot Henderson has the longest arms of a six four six five person I've ever I will ever see in my life, guys. It's unbelievable. He has like he has the wingspan of a seven footer. Like he could give me high fives from the eighth row last night. But here's the problem: he can't make, he can't make a jump shot. So unless he solves that, he's going to underachieve to what people thought. Awesome. All right, now Man, let's get to the real stuff. That's why we love Jerry. Uh, that's good. Hey, man, uh, you wind him up and let him go. That's what Jerry's all about. It's great stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers did beat Houston in that overtime game, and Jerry was there. And yeah, it won't be fun over with Vic Schaefer this morning. I can guarantee you that. Hey, Jerry, obviously, you know, you've been doing this a long, long time, uh, Rod and I, too. It's, and we've never seen like it. I mean, three of the head coaches in the Final Four that we covered were gone, huh. right? I mean, Nick Saban retires, Kalen DeBoer leaves for Alabama, and now Jim Harbaugh is gone. We've never seen a whirlwind like this. I mean, how does this impact Michigan recruiting? I mean, did he wait long enough to kind of use the, the school calendar as a, as a deterrent and keeping Sharon more? What do you expect as far as the exodus for the Wolverines? Yeah, I think the main thing I'm looking at, and I think those are all great points and valid, but I think what happened at Alabama, and Kalen DeBoer's a great coach. He's going to have success at Alabama. He'll have Alabama in the playoff. I'm not saying this year. But I think Michigan sat and watched that and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't go outside the family on this hire. And Sheryl Moore did a good job filling in for Harbaugh. We have to stay in the family here so there's not a mass exodus. And I know they're coming up against that drop, uh, you know, when guys could leave. But that doesn't mean they can't just leave in the spring, right? I mean, so I think staying in house here, it's where it looks, sounds like it's where Michigan's headed, is very smart. I think their, their powers that be up there sat back and watched what happened at Alabama and said, whoa, we don't want – anything that's close to a repeat of that whether it's 20 guys jumping to the portal a day after Harbaugh leaves or if it's in the spring they have to hold it together because you just don't have time to replace what you lost uh, you just lose too many guys and too much talent to replace that I mean there's that's the that it's going to be interesting to see if the dates change and how things change moving forward in the future with the portal because uh, I know it's not fair but man that that was a what happened to Alabama is just really rough. 
Yeah, that is. Hey, Jerry, let me, uh, let's say hypothetical because I'm, I'm with you. The next transfer portal window, if some Michigan players decide that they want to, uh, to leave, that will probably be most likely the one that you'll see some guys decide to depart with. But if, let's just say hypothetically, if Texas was targeting or looking at some players who may transfer or hit the transfer portal for Michigan, who would those players be? Who would they be? Who are the guys? No, that's D-line. D-line. Guys like a Mason Graham out of Anaheim Servite. Y'all know Sark loves SoCal, right? SoCal, state of Texas, SEC country, and Arizona. Those are the areas for Texas. Kid like Mason Graham, a defensive It's going to be defensive line. I mean, that's what Texas really would look. And getting Savea from Arizona, what that does is that gives Texas the opportunity and the ability to wait until the spring and see who jumps in the portal in the spring. They don't really have to reach right now uh, at that position because that helps shore up some depth there. Uh, but I think defensive line in the spring is going to be something uh, that uh, Texas fans will want to watch. Uh, Jerry, two things here, two-part question. So what are you hearing on the defensive line coach hire, and where does that stand? They got Saveo without having a D-line coach in place, obviously because of the relationship with Johnny Nansen. Uh, where does that stand for you? And what about the young defensive linemen that are already on campus? We know Saveo's coming in, but we know Alfred Collins will be back and Vernon Broughton. But uh, what about some of those other guys, Aaron Bryant and uh, Jare Bledsoe and uh, um, you know, Sadir Mitchell? What are, you, what are you hearing about their development uh, in that D-line room? So two-part question there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the first thing on the D-line uh, hire is it, it was always said that Sark was going to take his time with this and, and get absolutely the right guy. I mean, obviously I talked to some guys, Rod Wright included in that, uh, but they're still, you know, continuing through that process right now. It could be NFL guy. You know, hey, what happens at Michigan with, a, with a guy like Mike Elson? You just don't know how things are going to fall there. Um, but uh, I, I think that is it's going to be a patient approach. Um, they're already past the junior day. I mean, you're already coming up on – the end of the evaluation period. So there's no reason to rush a decision now, a hire now. Um, so they, they have some time to play with. As far as the, um, the guys that are back, I think it's a crucial, huge spring for Sadir Mitchell and Jure Bledsoe. Those are the two guys for me. I think Aaron Bryant can play the run, right? He, has, he can anchor. He can play the run. Uh, I think Vernon Broughton has some uh, disruptive ability. Um, I think we obviously, Savea brings uh, an experienced adult to that room that's played a lot of snaps at high level. Uh, but, and then, you know, Zach Swanson, if he could ever get big enough, I know there, uh, uh, you know, the staff was high on what he could be, but he's got to get gaining the weight and getting there has been the issue for him, and it's a process. But I look at Sadir and I look at Bledsoe. Those guys need to have huge springs, and they need to start looking like the players that we all think they can become uh, because the, both of those guys have Sunday ability, but they're far off from that right now in terms of consistency. And until they get that consistency, uh, then there's going to continue to be questions about them. And I know that may be being hard on Sadir because he's just uh, a red shirted his freshman year, but the, he, he showed some signs later in the year, but you got to have that consistency. And that's what gets you on the field, and that's what earns that trust. I mean, you look at how long it's taken Alfred Collins uh, to do that, and he's still not where he should be because if he was, he'd be in the NFL, in the NFL draft right now. So they need Jure Bledsoe and Sadir Mitchell to have really big springs and start to show what they can become because those guys, uh, Bledsoe is a, could be a big-time disruptive guy and a pass rusher on the interior. 
Sadir Mitchell, there's just not many 6'6", 340s with quickness that can play over the ball. Those, he is perfect for the SEC. That's why Georgia fought to the end for him. But he's got to, he's got to, uh, that light's got to come on. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, the Longhorns had a big recruiting weekend this past weekend and actually did get a, a commit from uh, 2025 uh, commitment. Lance Jackson, the edge rusher, but also he's a guy that can play tight end. Uh, give us your thoughts about where he projects to be for, for the Longhorns and what uh, style of defense that he may hint that the Longhorns want to play in the future. Yeah, he, he, he says he, he's being recruited at the butt position. By the way, I saw him in person. Um, on Saturday, and you know, I, I think he's about six five and a half, about two fifty five, two sixty. Now he's gained a lot of good weight, long levers, right? Which I think is what Texas is really after is that length at that edge position with size. I think that's where they're headed with the move to the SEC. I think that's absolutely what he's going to play that buck position, that edge position. Uh, that's what he is. He know, and that's the thing. He knows what he is. I mean, he plays tight end, and he looks good on tape doing it. Uh, but I, he knows what his, where his future is, and I think that gives him a chance to be a really good player. And I'll tell you what, I mean, guys, that was a uh, that was a big win for Texas this early uh, because you know obviously his brother signed with LSU is now at Arkansas, but with Arkansas falling off under Sam Pittman, that really opened the door for Texas to get this done quick. And Texas got this done quick before you know A and M Mike Elko really could make a true run at him. Uh, but he picked Texas, and you know he loves Austin. Uh, he likes where the program's headed, so I, I think he made a very – he didn't make an emotional decision. He made a sound decision. Longhorns with five commitments already for the class of 2025. Lance Jackson, the latest uh, out of Texarkana. Also got the linebacker from Pearland, Anthony Williams, Brandon Brown from Palm Beach, Florida, Amari Winston, the tight end from Calhoun, Georgia, and K.J. Lacey, the quarterback from Sarah Land, Alabama, uh, the quarterback for that class uh, coming up. Hey, uh, Jerry Hamilton is with us. Gee, hey, the, um, way, I, have some, I have some news on I have some news on that. With Ryan Williams, uh, with Ryan Williams canceling that official visit to Texas this weekend and committing to Alabama, KJ Lacey's not coming in to make the visit this weekend. He didn't come into the January 20th Junior Day because Texas was just going to bring him in with Ryan Williams, his really good, his teammate and really good friend there at Saraland High. So with Ryan Williams shutting down his recruitment and committing to Alabama last night, right before Alabama beat Auburn in basketball, which was all that was synchronized after he decided he was going to shut down his recruitment. K.J. Lacey's not coming in to Austin this weekend, so he'll be back at a later date. But Sarkeesian is scheduled to be there, I believe, next Tuesday uh, to see K.J. Lacey. A.J. Milwee is scheduled to be in Sarah Land today. All right, so there you go. Yeah, that happened last night. Ryan Williams had committed to Alabama but then jumped in you – know, decommitted when uh, uh, Nick Saban retired, but then uh, Kalen DeBoer was able to bring him back. And he said Alabama's where he always wanted to be, just wanted to hear what uh, Coach DeBoer had to say. And it was good enough, and he's going to stay there and play for the Crimson Tide. But K.J. Lacey is the commitment for the Longhorns in uh, next year's recruiting class. Uh, Jerry, you were on the scene uh, all through the junior day last week, and I saw all your reporting on, on Twitter and on social media uh, following this. What else stood out to you from the, the junior weekend the Longhorns had last weekend that, led, that netted them Lance Jackson and the speedy running back from DeSoto for the class of, uh, or excuse me, from Alito for the class of 2026. Yeah, yeah, uh, Racing Guillory, really good space player, really talented kid, young player. He was hurt at the end of the year, so Texas fans didn't get to see him if they watched the Alito in the state title game. I thought that just the talent in general was probably the best I've seen on a singular visit at Texas. Just the bodies, just when they showed up, the frames, the talent. Uh, 2025 class, 2026 class. Uh, there was over 20 
four-star players, four or five-star players at that visit that day, in a one-day visit for Texas. That's just in the 25 class. If you add up guys that will be four-stars in the 26 class, and as those rankings adjust, there are some underrated 25s there, in my opinion. There's probably 40 to 45 four-star or five-star prospects on campus Saturday out of about 150. That is a hell of a lot of talent. And there were some big, good-looking guys on the offensive line with great frames. Linebackers really good in Texas in 2025. They had Riley Pettish on and Elijah Barnes, the top two there. Um, obviously, Lance Jackson at the edge. Uh, but they had a, a heck of a, ta- a group of talent, guys. I mean, the best I've seen on the hoof on a singular visit at Texas. Hey, Jerry, let me ask you about that 25 class. It, 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 does there seem to be a, a focus of it in terms of a position group? Because uh, maybe they're past that point in roster construction. Last 2024 class, it seemed like DB that was a emphasis, right, a priority for them. We saw linebacker be that for them a couple of uh, recruiting uh, classes ago. Remember the big O-line class where they brought in the big humans, and that seemed to be the emphasis. Does there seem to be an emphasis in 2025, or have they passed that point where they've constructed the roster and rebuilt everything, and now they're just filling in the, the, the holes? No, that's why y'all are really good, guys. It's linebacker. Like, in okay. t- Texas took one linebacker. And Ty Anthony Smith is a great question. They took one linebacker. They were going to take a, a very guy they considered very high in linebacker in 24, whether that was flipping Justin Williams from Georgia, which didn't happen, flipping Ty Anthony Smith from A&M, which did happen after that coaching change. They signed five linebackers in 23. They were just going to go for one or zero in 2024. And that was twofold. Yeah, they had a great class of linebackers in 23, but they knew what was coming in the state in 2025 and nationally. Texas at the linebacker position has been hit or miss in the state. And I'm not talking University of Texas. I'm talking state producing a lot of high-end linebackers. It's spread football, right? It's kind of what it's morphed into in the state of Texas. So uh, that linebacker position has been really hit or miss in some cycles in Texas, not 2025. I'm going to write something that on three today about that, how many power five linebackers there are in the 25 class. I mean, you're going to see guys – you're going to see guys that Texas doesn't even offer that it, uh, it doesn't mean they're not really good players. They are going to Texas A&M, um, going to Oklahoma, going to LSU. That's how the depth of talent at linebacker in the state of Texas is tremendous in this class. I don't think, also think offensive line. Uh, so, I mean, you know, Texas signed three offensive linemen last year. They signed 12 to two years before that. And the reason they didn't really push – it's because this class in 2025 in Texas on the offensive line I think is extremely, extremely high end. Texas offered a kid, Ryan Foji, out of Bridgeland, who, um, who is still 16, doesn't turn 17 till July. I went to Bridgeland High a couple of weeks ago because his teammate, Jonte Newman's big time, too. They have two of the best tackles in the country over there at Bridgeland High in Cypress. But um, this kid was a 6'4", 230-pound defensive end sophomore year at Bridgeland High on JV and now he's 6'5 280 and Rod got Aaron I'm telling you this kid has NFL pass protection body quickness and just movement skills and there's guys like this popping up on the offensive line in Texas it's a great year on the offensive line in 2025. That's why he's the best. He's Jerry Hamilton with all the info from On3Sports, the uh, uh, senior recruiting analyst and the best in the biz. Uh, I'll have to ask you this because uh, if I were a national host, I'd say I would have to. Uh, when is Arch Manning going to transfer and where is he going? Oh, <laughs> come on. Hey, uh, you know, look, man, uh, he's, he's here after keeping the student ID thing in his pocket. He's here to stay. 
Okay, he's here to stay. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, hey, I have to say this too because we talked about it last week. We talked about Texas basketball. We we need to give Rodney some credit. We talked yeah, about yeah, we do. Right? Oh, they were starting. We were they were starting to figure this thing out a little bit, playing through Dsu, playing through Asmus, getting the floor spacing back. The big lineup wasn't going to work. They had to work through some issues there. They were trying to cover smaller guards defensively, but they were giving up floor spacing and offense. So moving Dylan Mitchell back to that college power forward with with athleticism, Dylan Dessou being back, Max Smith playing that three-guard lineup a high percentage at a time. They have their floor spacing back offensively, and now they have multiple threats that can shoot the ball. Brock Cunningham coming back off the bench where I think his energy is, you know, it's just unmatched as an off-the-bench player. Caden Shedrick mixing in as a backup. Kendall Weaver is going to continue to be better. His energy's unmatched, period, right? So they're big. They figured this thing out now, and now they've set themselves up to be able to compete in this, in this next run of games. I mean, that was a big win in Oklahoma because then you turn around and you go to BYU. Then you have a day off and you have U of H on Monday. Uh, they have a tough stretch coming up, and it may be, some people say the whole Big 12 is a tough stretch. I get it, but there's some stretches tougher when you're on the road in Provo, turn around, quick turn around for a big Monday against Houston, then you're at TCU. Those, that's a four-game stretch counting at Oklahoma that's really difficult, but they're figuring this thing out. They're getting this rotation set. They got the starting lineup set now, and I think they have a chance to make a run. And I'll say this from a basketball recruiting perspective, Monday they have a big-time official visitor coming in. A kid from NBA Africa, Ulrich Komchi, a 6'11 kid, who I think is, gonna, is pretty much going to be down to Texas, a USC, and Arizona. He is a future first-round pick, um, but he's going to be in for an official visit early next week. Well, Again, that's why he's the best. Uh, Jerry Hamilton, uh, Texas basketball. Kendall Weaver, agree with you. The energy and the, the rotation. The defense has been a lot better for Texas of late, too. Yeah. Held Oklahoma to just 60 points, which is something Roddy Terry's been pushing with that basketball team. Uh, all right, Jerry, great stuff, man. Thanks for the visit this morning. Look forward to more. And find all of Jerry's work at On3 Sports. And uh, he is the senior recruiting analyst. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. You got it, guys. Thanks. Good stuff there from Hook 'em Up with Ian Robbie and Jerry Hamilton, bringing you some great information there, including the big visit on Monday. Always good to check in with him for your Texas football and basketball knowledge. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get back into your text messages. Big fat poll of the day today is who is your favorite point guard of all time? Since we're talking about the importance of point guards earlier, uh, who is your favorite point guard of all time? Send that in on the text line, 512 512- Four four seven three seven seven six. Anything you want to talk about? Texas basketball, Texas football, the new uh, D line coach, NBA basketball trade deadline. Any of your Texas teams you're pissed off they lost last night? Any of that uh, or NFL? The big hiring of Raheem Morris. Bill Belichick could be without a job this year. We could have him in TV if Tom Brady comes in. Are they going to put Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together? On TV, we'll talk about that tomorrow, too. Send in your text. Uh, Anything you want to talk about, 512-447-3776 on the text line. Uh, We'll come back and get to it here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Got his woman to take his seat. 
He got the power, oh, she got the need. She spends her life through pleasing up a man. She feeds him dinner, oh, anything she can. She cries alone at night too often. He smokes and drinks and don't come home at all. Only women bleed. Back on the Sports Complex Only here on the Horn. Had to stick in some Alice Cooper and the great maestro bleed. Dick Wagner there on uh, playing the songs about blood because it is uh, National Blood Donors Appreciation Month. Month. Great, uh, great song here by Alice Cooper. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. You ever see a uh, suede with uh, Robert Wagner? This is uh, his, his pops is on this track, and uh, it's a killer track. Robert Wagner, awesome dude too. Go check out his band Suede if you ever get the chance. Uh, they are always put on an awesome show, so check them out as well. Some uh, some good stuff to go check out. Text lines open five one two four four seven three seven seven six five one two. Four four seven three seven seven six is the text line number. Poll of the day: Who is your favorite point guard of all time? I was talking earlier about the importance of point guards and that they were trying to get rid of them. They said we don't want anybody under six eight in the league anymore. And they, that, that did not work out well for most of the teams trying it this season. It was an experiment that some, a lot of teams are trying to do, and I think some are still trying to figure it out. Uh, but it is not necessarily working out the way they were hoping it would. Uh, so we were talking about that. So uh, give some love to your favorite point guard. Doesn't have to be the best. Doesn't have to have you know. Give it. Give us some love for your favorite point guard on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Dexter Vintage Scott says, "If Sark is happy, then I am more than happy." I'm assuming that is referring to the hire of Kenny Baker as the new defensive line coach for the the Longhorns. And yeah, if, if Sark says this is the guy and they've gone through, I believe there could have been something about Rod Wright and then the Texans basically countered and said we don't want to lose him. He's good. But that also means that Sark has a good eye for talent and this staff has a good eye for talent. If they're going after somebody that an NFL program feels the need to keep and feels the need to get rid of somebody else to keep him and give him the, then, you know, you're, you're clearly looking in the right direction. Uh, so that is the way. And then Kenny Baker, everything we've seen so far has been positive. Uh, we'll just have to see once he gets down there. But that would have been the same with any coach, is you just have to wait and see uh, who it comes in. Locksmith Ryan says, uh, Steve Nash was so much fun to watch. Uh, him and Stotts, uh, him and Stodds, Stoudemire in Phoenix was amazing. Yeah, that, what was it, eight seconds or less offense or something like that where they were trying to get the ball moved down and get everything going in that offense with Mike D'Antoni. I, it was never my favorite thing, but Steve Nash was always a favorite of mine uh, to watch what he did. Another guy who is so good at getting the ball down the court, passing the ball off, and then making everything work, and then he would come back out and could get wide open shots for himself because he would do that. It's just really hard to have those guys, like to to have that chess brain of being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to pass you the ball, but that's because I know if I run over here real quick, then then that'll make the defense shift this way, which means then I can run this way and make the defense shift. And if this guy comes back over and if I'm yelling and I'm directing traffic, then we can make everything work where all of a sudden everybody's cutting to the basket to stop a shot and I'm wide open for three and I get mine. Or that little run around inside where he'd go under the basket and come just walk back out. I remember he killed the Spurs with it. Like for a game or two, and then the next time you just see a couple games later, Tony Parker starts doing it, and that's like one of the biggest compliments. Is if you have a play where other people just go, "Oh, we got to get that one done," 
Uh, Arborhorn81 says, uh, Magic Johnson, even though I was never a fan of the Lakers, I love watching that man play basketball. Yeah, Magic Johnson has to be on the top of everybody's list of just a guy that was so much fun to, you know, just made the no look and all those things so easy. Uh, and my favorite Longhorn point guard was probably Johnny Moore in the late 70s. Yeah, Johnny Moore also. That guy was one of those guys that <laughs> growing up, uh, I probably saw him in enough camps being a Longhorn fan and a Spurs fan. He was at camps a lot. Uh, so if you go try and do basketball camps and stuff, then Johnny Moore will probably show up and, and show you some moves. So definitely there. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back, get back to the text line, 512-447-3776, and get in some NFL talk as well. Another big hiring right before we went on the air today. We'll get into that and a whole lot more here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.